Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. <laughs> and uh, we don't have time to mess around because there is a whole bunch of stuff to talk about today. Because this past Saturday was the DC Fandom event, and there's just too much there for the two of us to handle alone. So we brought in the experts. Yeah, we've got with us Jonathan Cashmore coming all the way from Newmarket. Hey, how's it going, guys? John is an old friend of ours who is a big fan of the uh, animated DC movies, so he's going to be bringing a, a, an interesting perspective to this. How do you, how do you like those movies, Cash? Um, they're, I haven't seen them all yet, but I was actually just thinking about the... Because um, there's a lot of Harley Quinn coming out, and I, so I watched the... Uh, I guess Not new movie, but the newest movie of hers, where she did uh, with the Suicide Squad. No, sorry, Harley Quinn in the, in the Batman. A oh, couple, okay. A couple years ago, so funny, so so funny. Nice. So I uh, definitely recommend it. And we've also got our very first guest ever on this show, Kylie Beckberger, who is a big DC fan, and will be able to illuminate a lot of the corners of this that we might not have a, a proper grasp on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, I'm always happy to be on um, and hopefully can bring a little bit of DC knowledge uh, the best I can and help round out the team. Admittedly, the DC stuff is where we are a little bit weak in the resources. So it's good to have you both on to sort of you know, bolster our flanks, as it were. <laughs> So before we get too into detail on what was announced and everything, I mean, I think we got to talk about what the DC fandom is, because I was there and I still don't quite get it. So who thinks they had a pretty good handle and how do you explain this to like my mom? Uh, maybe like a, a virtual stadium that was connected worldwide, like stadiums. I mean, I would I would equate it to basically uh, just being in Hall H all day um, in San Diego Comic-Con, essentially, um, but a bit more of a virtual um, sort of layout of the entire DC universe uh, and, and bringing fans together to kind of experience certain behind-the-scenes stuff. That was much my, better said. <laughs> my, my take on it was that it was a uh, an eight-hour infomercial that just repeated three times. <laughs> yeah. I think the original idea was what I took away from the original idea when I first went on the scheduling was that it was going to be a bit more um, immersive in terms of being able to go in, like go into other areas of like, it's not all just one feed, but I think they switched a little bit last minute or closer to and broke it up because I think there's another day in September. Yeah. September 12th. Yeah. And and that one is gonna is being described as on demand. There's gonna be more stuff geared towards kids there and more of the comic book material, including a library of comic books that'll you'll have access to for free for twenty four hours. So I think that so the the way it was all pitched was as a virtual convention, but then mm -hmm. they cut out the part where you can like sort of look around and browse at other stuff and just left the Hall H component and, and Hall H 
just to be clear, is the the main stage at San Diego Comic Con where they just it's panel after panel after panel of amazing announcements, and that's all this ended up being, which is where the the uh, infomercial vibe came from. I also think I got that feeling simply because none of it was live; it was all pre-recorded. And when I first heard it, I thought it would be more like a panel where people are making off the cuff remarks and, and it's a little more visceral, like it's happening right in front of you. Whereas this, everything was chopped up and edited to perfection for the most part. Now, to be fair, let's not, I mean, we're sort of casting a negative pall over it. I mean, Sorry, what that's it was, me. That's me. My bad. What it was, was eight hours of, of DC info and they're like, they've released their numbers recently, like over this 24 hour period, they're saying they attracted 22 million viewers across 220 countries. Holy. So, you know what? Like they're calling that a success, and I'm not blaming them. <laughs> now, the reason I ask is because I know you guys were on the ball all watching it live, whereas I got this information by like waiting for the blogs to post news articles, um, and I feel like I got all the same information you did in like 20 minutes total of my time instead of needing to watch this for eight hours. <laughs> yeah, I found they stretched it out quite a bit. Um, it, I mean, it was interesting when they gave a lot of like, you know praise to a lot of like some like other things that you wouldn't necessarily do that with but uh yeah the main juicy information easily 20 minutes <laughs> that's yeah and that's fair and and but i don't know i feel like watching it as it happened you, you got a bit more nuance from things you got a bit more of a taste of of how people felt about the announcements as opposed to just the bare bones details. So I do think I, I don't regret watching it. I think it was a good experience. I, I, there were some things that I missed, even though they, they repeated it a lot of it so much, but there were a few things where I was like, I wish I had seen like the black Adam panel, the, the timing on it mm -hmm. just didn't work out properly for me. And I, I really wish I'd seen that one. There's definitely some, some uh, advantages obviously to be watching it as like the whole thing through. Um, like you, I was just going to say, the Black Adam panel, like that was like, it was a lot of um, artistic stuff and, and explanation rather than a trailer, obviously. And yeah. so like you, you really got to get immersed in it in a different way. So, it, so that you're, you're right. Like watching it did have its benefits too. Yeah, that's fair. I, um, I do hope to catch a little bit more of the next one live. Um, it just, it, like this wasn't me being pouty. I just had a ton of things to do that day. I couldn't, I couldn't tune in live. <laughs> Batman explanation, sorry to interrupt there, Jesse, uh, was pretty cool too. Like when Matt Reeves, before he dropped the trailer and stuff like that, that was a pretty cool panel. Okay, well, let's let's go through uh, panel by panel, maybe not necessarily in the order they were announced, but uh, let's, should we dive in, Jess? Let's do it. So should we start with the biggest news drops or start small? Um, I mean, some of that might be up to interpretation, right? Like some people yeah. might be very excited about the Suicide Squad and other people not so much. <laughs> um, tell you what, I feel like movie trailers are probably going to be on the whole, like the thing people are most interested coming out of this. Do we want to start there? Sure, sure. sure. First, first panel of the day was Wonder Woman 1984. So let's start there. Uh, new trailer uh, finally dropped. We finally got to see Cheetah in it. Any Any big thoughts coming out of that one? I think she looks pretty good. Like it's hard to do fur on the CGI, and I know that's just the—it's not even the cleaned-up version. So I think she look—I don't know—she looks pretty good to the comics. And uh, Kristen Wiig 
seems to have portrayed like a ferocious um, fighter. You know, that's yeah. my my opinion on on just like the cheetah thing. Like, I, I want to know her origins and stuff like that. It really makes me wonder how that went down. But uh, it definitely seems like they're tying it into whatever Max Lord is is selling in this. Like, he's got absolutely. some sort of yeah miracle device and and that'll be used to transform her in some way could could that be um just speculating here and i was just doing a little bit of research those crystal uh those chaos crystals or crystal shards or something like that hey man it's possible do you know what i'm like it just uh, when i was watching the i I watched it a couple of times and i noticed he was holding now i'm speculating but uh (laughs) he was holding a like a it looked like a crystal like an orange crystal and and there's been some thoughts on what that could be. And it's supposed to, like, give you, like, a wish. It could, mm. or something like that. So, like, Kristen Wiig's character, I forget her name. Uh, Barbara. Kylie. Cheetah. Yeah. Barbara Minerva. Bar- yeah. Barbara. Like, she wanted to, in this, become, like, an apex predator. You know? Um, maybe it also explains how Steve Tyler is back. Steve Tyler from Aerosmith? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Steve Trevor. <laughs> I knew I was going to do that too. I have a circle. I do see that. It does sort of flow. Like, Lord talks a lot about, you know, giving you anything you want. Like, he sort of sounds like a genie granting wishes, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, be Di- careful what you wish for. Yeah. So if Diana wishes for Chris Pine back, and let's face it, who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> but we also see that this portrayal of Barbara Minerva, uh, who seems like she's... Um, nervous let's go with that definitely not an alpha um so we can see that you know maybe she would wish for you know to be stronger more confident and they can see it goes bad well i'm, I'm curious i'm curious because in the comics they have such a, a interesting relationship her and uh wonder woman in that like they are friends but then they're also enemies but they're friends so i'm very excited to see how they play that um because like from the first trailer they definitely have more moments of friendship um, and then the second trailer, the second trailer, it's a bit more, you can clearly see Cheetah and you can clearly see how she's gone to the darker side of things. So like I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, mm. and then with the Maxwell Lord stuff, um, in the first trailer, he, it, you get a bit more of him saying like, okay, I've done this. Now you got to do this for me. So I do think there is a bit with the Steve stuff and like maybe him bringing him back for her, um, a bit of an explanation there in order to get something from her. But again, right. yeah. trailers trailers like to also be very deceiving with their voiceover too. Yeah, who, who is Maxwell Lord? Like, I, I don't really know that character. Is he like a really big bad guy? Or yeah, he's he's definitely a supervillain in the comics. Um, he there's obviously like most there's many different versions. Um, you know, he was also on Supergirl the first season. Um, he tends to be he's got like Lord Technologies, so he's a big. Um, tech guy big um, you know in that sense and um, he's been brought into many of the teams like he's been in Checkmate which is probably the biggest sort of villain um, group that he was part of but he's definitely been in a lot of the um, a lot of the DC comics as that sort of villain character. He's I don't want to kind of like that B-list Lex Luthor in some ways. Yeah pretty pretty much essentially yeah um, but he does have stuff with Wonder Woman in the comics. I don't want to get into spoiler stuff, but um, he does have a very large uh, role in the Wonder Woman comics uh, and one iteration anyways of the Wonder Woman comics. He's also got some powers where he, they, they're sort of telepathic powers, but he just sort of like 
nudges you to want to do what he wants you to do. More than mm-hmm. like influence. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So it looked cool. I want to. I definitely want to see more of Wonder Woman's armor and and how she got that that gold oh eagle so business. That the Kingdom Come armor, right? Yeah. Yeah. So into it. I also like that they're going to bring more of the Amazons um, back for this one for obviously um, past history of Wonder Woman um, with the Amazon games, which um, basically from what I'm kind of gathering is sort of like their Olympics, essentially. Um, so I'm very curious to see how much they they dive into her childhood again. I just trust Patty Jenkins. Sure, yeah. And this one, I think she's going to have more time to put her own stamp on it. I think she was kind of a last-minute addition to the, the team in uh, on the first movie, even though she was the director. she I think they already had the script mostly ready to go when she came on board. And this one, she'll have been involved with from the word go. So we'll get to see more of her specific vision. Yeah, Zack Snyder definitely had a, an influence on the last one. You can you can feel it in the uh, the end battle scene, especially. <laughs> uh, a little bit of his stamp was on it. So I'll be yeah. curious to see um, what kind of spin and uh, they do. I mean, for me personally, the first one, I loved the war stuff um, and actually the non-superhero kind of part of it. So I'm curious to see if they keep that sort of into it or now that she has her full power realization, it might be a bit more um, grander in terms of like the scale of the fights and stuff. So they're going from the horrors of no man's land and world war one to the horrors of Indeed. a 1980s mall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I see that. I mean, a lot of the fun of the first one is the chemistry between her and the other characters. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're going to lean into that with, with Steve. What do we say? With Steve Tyler now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're going to lean into that because that's one of the things people remember from the film. And of course, that's why they're bringing him back um but yeah the more human moments in it are something that i think are missing from some of the other dcu movies Mm -hmm. uh the having more people in it and less superheroes which is sort of a weird take for dc Um, but we'll have to see if they're clever enough to keep it there or if they really want to sort of just push it into the same direction as the others should we move on to uh to the batman the batman the batman yeah so this is one where I think we're all going to have uh, a, a take if, or two. I mean, I didn't, I went in with no expectations. Somebody told me that the, the kid from Twilight was going to be Batman. And I said, eh, and stopped paying attention. And now I feel a little bit bad about it because I really liked this trailer. I honestly um, think everybody was with you on that one. <laughs> okay, so it's not just me, right? No, no. I, I think I... Like, I would like to say that I believed in Mr. Pattinson and his talents. He is a good actor, but like when you when you say Batman, like the last one you're going up against is like Bale and, and you have Keaton. Like those are some big Batfleck. shoes. I mean, he's good too. He was good. <laughs> yeah, but, like, yeah but I don't. But when I think of Pattinson, I think of this scrawny, sparkly vampire. <laughs> yeah, like I just I can't picture him, you know, being the knight. Yeah, it's it, it. But you know what? But in that trailer, like, like, I mean, and he and don't get me wrong, he did a good job. I really kind of liked how he looked in the suit. But the whole tone of that trailer was really mm-hmm. cool to me. It gave me sort of a like almost like a Tim Burton, like Michael Keaton era feel to it, but yeah. mixed with that Christian Bale Dark well, Knight trilogy feel. Which is funny because that's exactly what 
they were going for. Like he wanted to have it kind of gothic, but not too gothic. You know, like they're they're reconstructing for go- like to make a Gotham that's its own, like something that you'd remember in the comics. Which is pretty cool. The enthusiasm is really cool. Yeah, the the panel that introduced this with uh, it was Aisha Tyler who was uh, at doing a Q and A with Matt Reeves, who's the director, and I thought this was one of the best Q and As that we had. She did a really good job, asked interesting questions, and and let him really go with his answers, and uh, I was really pleased with that. And and Reeves has a very good track record, as far as I'm concerned, up to now as a director, and it really sounds like they let him put for the most part, his own stamp on it. Like he didn't have to follow the blueprint of the justice league movies. And, uh, he got to, to really spread his wings. So, so just for some background, he directed the first Cloverfield movie. Yeah. And he directed, uh, Dawn of the planet of the apes and war for the planet of the apes, which despite my abiding love for giant apes, talking apes, uh, I, I thought they were like really good, even beyond, just my own personal preferences those were the two most recent ones yeah yeah okay all right i'm just gonna say i think that um i think that what you're gonna see with with the batman versus um some of the other previous dc stuff is that i think they're seeing the success of joker and they're gonna put that more realistic realism uh into this film like they did with the joker i obviously don't think it'll be as dark and twisted in that sense but i do think that they've seen that 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 was a massive hit and there will be elements of that dramatic realism and even like what matt reeves was saying about the costume looks like it's real it's it's a guy who's put on this costume we wanted to show that it was something that he made and it was real right so i do think you'll get a bit of that which will help i think in in elevating the storyline yeah, I, I feel like we have to touch on on something that I saw a lot of on social media. There was a, a seemed to be a predominant feeling from certain quarters that we didn't need another dark and gritty Batman. And I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to our, our listeners if we didn't talk about that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like a, they're they're sort of treading territory that's already well tread trod for for the Batman character, going for a more quote unquote realistic take, a more gritty take with the, the just violence and and darkness that that the character is associated with um but that's what batman is for yeah like that's like it's i mean kind like, of his mo <laughs> yeah like i get it a lot of the dc i think is unnecessarily dark i don't think anybody wanted a dark superman but that's because there is a dark batman and like that that's why he is there is because superman and wonder woman and all those characters are bright and shiny and colorful batman's the one who's supposed to be you know brooding yeah i think yeah, if he's, you... he's the night not the late afternoon <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I, I, I do think there is room for a, a lighter sillier batman uh, i love the adam west batman but i don't know that that would work for a modern big screen audience no you know it wouldn't work for a modern like there is an adam west batman movie and it's great but that would never make any bank in theaters these days yeah, and the the closest thing I can think of it is the animated series Batman: Brave and the Bold, where it went for that tone and had you know he had a cool mm-hmm. guest character every week, and and that show was good, but it certainly isn't something that people talk about the same way they talk about Batman the animated series or or some of the other more recent ones or even the the Arkham games. Like when when if you're trying to make a lot of money off of Batman. There's a certain tone you aim for. 
And I think, though, that just kind of goes to show that, like, maybe we don't need more Batman movies. Maybe it's time to take other characters and, and put them in forefront. I, I mean, just if you don't want a brooding Batman, then I guess you're going to have to start stop making Batman movies because that's all he really is in some ways, yeah. right? And, and I do think there there probably is a segment of the audience that's that's ready for a break from Batman. But I think so long as DC has financial stumbles with some of their other movies, they're always going to have another Batman movie ready to go because that is is a safe territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Batman mm-hmm. sells tickets for it, sure. And like, I don't a- know if Nightwing will sell tickets or Red Hood <laughs> would sell tickets, you know? You don't get the same that stuff from your audience. You tell somebody, hey, there's a new Batman movie out, they'll go, oh, cool, let's go see that, guaranteed. I will say yeah. the cast is crazy good though like truly colin farrell like watching like i didn't even recognize him in the trailer because somebody said he was in the trailer and then yeah. i went back and watched it and was like oh i still don't recognize him even though i've seen still images yeah. of him in the makeup i'm looking at him right now and it doesn't look like him. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> jeffrey wright though i think is such a good commission gordon like i think he like i'm so excited to see how he does it oh i think yeah. he's gonna nail it he's such mm-hmm. a great actor i love him in the trailer, he's definitely doing classic Jeffrey Wright, yeah. but it works. It works for that character. And Andy Circus as Alfred, like what? Like I'm yeah. so. Ugh. I I hope he calls uh, Bruce Wayne his precious. <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, pretty low hanging fruit there. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Hey, hey, it you didn't make it. <laughs> uh, we also have Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman yes. and we've got uh, Paul Dano as the Riddler so I, I suppose you could also say there's a risk of overdoing it with villains mm-hmm. but yeah, I think Matt I Reeves know. was saying though like they're kind of at the beginning so there's going to be like a main and then everybody else is just kind of like an, a nice intro to them because they're not at their fully established Okay. And I think that's you know, also... You know what I mean? Which is great. It shows a lot of development, um, room for develop, development throughout the movies, too. Well, I think that's also going to lead into the TV show, right? That's going to be sort of hooked into the Batman world, is it not? Yeah, I think they're calling it Gotham PD. And from the sounds of it, that is what I wanted Gotham to be, the Gotham TV yeah, show. Yeah, same. So so the idea of it is it's it's the Gotham police force as they're starting to deal with more crazy criminals and the I, so I, I imagine the corruption within the police force, which is something that is inherent whenever they do a year one Batman story, half the story is is Commissioner Gordon having to rise through the ranks and, and clear out some of the corruption on the police force that which necessitated Batman coming onto the scene in the first place. Yeah, I'm not sure about the time. I didn't quite catch what the timeline, if they're coherent with the movie or not, or if it's a separate time um, period from the movie. But it'd be interesting with introducing, like, the Penguin, the Riddler, like, all these characters in the movie, if it's just as an idea to then shift them into the shows at some point. I think I heard that it was a prequel series. Okay, okay. I couldn't quite... I didn't quite catch it. I have a hard time imagining... maybe, Maybe this is just, like, old school... TV film bias, but right. I have a hard time imagining Colin Farrell and Paul Dano doing a TV series at this point. But you, you never know; it's it's prestige. I think it's going to be prestige TV. The the co creator of the series is uh, Terrence Winter, who did mm-hmm. Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, I'll be I'll be interested to see, anyways, because um, it does leave them room. I mean, DC obviously lately hasn't been shy with crossing over 
their film. They did the crossover of the film and TV with the Flash and the Flash meeting. So I mean, they've left it open as an as a possibility. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen that clip of them meeting until this uh, fandom stuff, and and yeah. that was pretty cool. It, it was. was a, it was cool. Did you guys follow this show, or I I followed arrow um pretty much most of it i followed flash um probably i'm like behind two seasons i follow pretty much all of them yeah or did at one point i've kind of slowed down since they're now in their like six seasons and stuff but at the beginning there i followed them all yeah with the flash crisis uh thing it was really cool to watch just Mm because like yeah they didn't just cross they crossed everything over like they had a huge list of yeah a lot of cameos. the movie Superman showed yeah. up right like, yeah yeah and Kevin so Conroy like, DC's really putting the multi in multiverse now like they're really uh, yeah they're, like even like you know I think isn't this isn't the Joker they're uh, the the most recent one isn't he around in the Batman world like the new one I don't think so I think he's being counted as his own separate his universe own separate. so there's another yeah. universe you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is uh, cool because that's what they did. So maybe that's a good to to segue off of the Batman. <laughs> I mean, those were the two big trailers, but there were also two smaller trailers. We had the trailers for the new season of Flash and the trailer for Black Adam, which to most of us will be considered Shazam too. Well, let's um, let's pick up with this is we're already talking Flash. Let's talk about the Flash yeah. TV show first. Uh, so so. I saw the first two seasons and then kind of fell off the the wagon with that because life got in the way. But so so, what did you guys take away from from that trailer? I honestly missed that trailer. I didn't know it existed, so I can't help you. With that. <laughs> I am the same. I thought it was the Flash uh, movie they talked about. I missed the, the TV. Okay, well, let's just skip over it then. <laughs> I mean, the, I do watch the show. Like, it, it's a great show. I just, um, and they're, I know they're going to be doing a lot of uh, Iris West. Right, she's stuck in another. Yeah, so there's good. But the, it was a very big, like, the last, last season was a very big, like, who am I and, and her mm-hmm. finding her power. And so, like, she was very, like, it was a very much her as much as it was everybody else's show, too. It wasn't just solely Flash. They've kind of, opened it up a little more in the last couple seasons which is pretty cool because you know it's it's it gets old when you're just in the shadow of the one person (laughs) right she was kind of due for a good storyline anyways i think um i think that the the actress is fantastic and like you said i think she kind of sits in the shadow sometimes but i do like that they've brought her in a bit more um and it does make me want to catch back up with the show for sure yeah, it's uh, I mean, season three, Graham is probably the best season, so you stopped Agreed. right at the worst. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. But, I, uh, I saw, I think I stopped partway through that. That That's the one with uh, uh, what's his name, Tom Felton in it. Oh, yeah, Tom Felton was not one, I think. Yeah, yes, he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I got all the way through that one. Anyway, I, I'm sure I'll get back to it at some point. <laughs> it's a great, it's a, it's a great, um. I mean, they have like their slow little seasons too. Like season four was probably their slowest one, but I mean, it's a great. I even even with that, it's a great friggin' series. Yeah, they also. Um, I guess somebody to talk about. They they had elongated man as a part of season six, and then the the actor got into some yeah. off screen social media trouble, and they fired him. But that must have done some weird stuff to the storylines that they had planned for for season seven. 
I heard that they're replacing the actor, and he's they're they're kind of doing a cop out. This is what I heard, um, but I mean nothing confirmed. That they're just changing the actor because there was a point in time where the character changed into Iris's dad. At one point, he just Ooh. has to like so he can change his actual physical shape and pretend he's somebody else. So I think they're just doing a cop out like that, but sounds more like a plastic manpower than elongated manpower to me. But what do I know? <laughs> yeah. <right>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, I think that's what they're going to be doing just because this character's in a pretty right now is in a pretty like, focus like he has his own story so it's, it would be hard yeah. to just like kill him off so uh they're probably just gonna do that switch the actor okay so let's let's do before we get to black adam let's just keep going on the flash train and talk a bit about the flash movie panel um the big reveal from that was some concept art that showed him in a new costume which is looks makes him look less like a robot than the the DC extended universe costume they have for him. And that suit's made by Bruce, I think they said, right? Yeah. 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 By Bruce Wayne. Yeah. There was also, they're, they're once again doubling down on the Flashpoint storyline, yeah. which is what, you know, they, they did in the TV series and is a big part of the comics from the last 10 years. But I, I like this character in one form or another goes back to the 30s here. Let's, there's more than one story to tell with this guy, I but agree. it's fine. I Michael will... Keaton's Batman is going to be in it, so and it's so all is Ben Affleck. They're both going to be back. Yeah, but I... more importantly, Michael Keaton's Obviously. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, um, knowing that they're doing the Flashpoint, I will say I am super excited if they do the Wonder Woman um, versus Aquaman yes. stuff, just Absolutely. because of the cast. Oh, so. I would like to see um, Aqu- Aquaman get his hand chopped off. By yes. <laughs> so, so just I'm, I'm guessing the- that's something that happens in the comics, and not just a weird thing you have. <laughs> um, in in the comics, Aquaman. I mean, he- so so just let's go back to the beginning. Explain what Flashpoint is. Oh, uh, Flashpoint is when um, Barry Allen he pretty much gets all sad that you know his mother's dad uh, got murdered in front of him, so he decides to go back and save her and then he come, he goes back to his present after saving the his mom in the past and then there was a ripple effect and everything's changed and the the one thing that I would love to have seen and I know I'm not going to see in this Flashpoint movie is that um, instead of Batman being t- uh, Bruce Wayne his his father is oh yeah, Thomas Wayne Thomas is, is the Batman, and Martha Wayne is the Joker. Is right? the Joker? That, that was the one thing from Flashpoint I remember thinking, like, oh yeah, that's cool. I want to read that. And it was a brutal Batman. Like yeah. it was such a brutal, brutal Batman. Like, he didn't killed. they announce though? Didn't they announce Jeffrey Dean Morgan was going to come back to play Batman in this? Yes. So point? he has said. Like, he was all excited about the Flashpoint thing, and then he's like, and then they got Michael Keaton, and he just swept up Mm. and took it. (laughs) He's like, I get it, but shit. (laughs) (laughs) And he, because he played Negan, he would have been an amazing dark Batman. So, and and, uh, his, and uh, Martha would have been a, like, Maggie... Uh, I forget her name. She, she was also Maggie. in Walking Dead, right? She also yeah, she Walking played Dead. Maggie. Uh, I can't remember her name either right Karen, now. But 
I forget something Cohen something Cohen Lauren Cohen Lauren yes Cohen. there you go um, we did it guys <laughs> <laughs> together um, she would have been an amazing like psychotic Joker too like so mm-hmm. that would have been a really because they also have uh, on screen chemistry as you saw on The Walking Dead that would have been a really good arc but it's not happening but yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so um, but, but that makes it like a Batman story and not a Flash story, and and well, this... no, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and but it was just a small little thing because Batman had to help the Flash when he went to the uh, future. He had to go to uh, he lost his powers. He had to get his powers back. Batman helped him there. Um, right. Ugh, and... this is this is confusing <laughs> to me, and I'm into this stuff. Yeah, sorry, I I'm a bad explainer. Maybe no, maybe dude, it's not you. This is a convoluted <laughs> yeah. piece of fiction. It is. Well, there was just there was just a lot going on, like um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman uh, were betrothed. I think. Yeah, they were. They were gonna get. They got married, but then she killed uh, Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman's uh, before wife, and oh yeah, it was just crazy. So like. Classic before wife story. Essentially, <laughs> the world got destroyed, and he had to go back in time to reset the timeline and let his mom die. Essentially, so it's all normal. So I, I'm gonna harp on this one last time. This is uh, they're going through Flashpoint again, which they've already done the comics, an animated movie, the TV series, mm-hmm. and here are the people who have been attached to this movie over the years: Seth Graham Smith. Rick Famuyiwa, John Francis Daly, and Jonathan Goldstein, and now finally Andy Muschietti. That's like five different directors yeah. who are attached at different points, and we're ending up just rehashing the story and making it even more convoluted because every time they retell it, it's a little different than the time before. Yeah. But whatever. I'm sure do, it'll be great. I do think part of the changes uh, came from... I think they had something set up with Zack Schneider and that whole world. And then once they realized that wasn't working, there was a lot of shift and change. It's like the same as Batgirl. It's it's writers and, you know, directors have changed. Just They just can't quite figure out which one they're going to stick with. But hopefully with, like, the Batman and now Wonder Woman seems to be working, you know, and stuff like that. I think Shazam, Shazam and Black Adam will hopefully be good. And now the new Suicide Squad, I think, hopefully... They're going to finally get their feet under them and be able to realize we don't have to be Marvel. We can do our own thing. Yeah, they definitely fumbled on the way in, but they have so much potential to be their own great thing. And mm-hmm. and like that said perfectly. So I guess speaking of great things, I mean, <laughs> we were talking on the show uh, just last week about how a lot of the DC movies we weren't into, but Wonder Woman was pretty good. But I mean, we've also got a pretty soft spot for Shazam. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, which is describing me. I mean, you would have to use so many more adjectives because Graham loves Shazam. <laughs> but I think he also liked the movie well enough. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, just uh, we've probably covered this before, but my my abiding love for that character comes from the fact that it's to me the perfect distillation of the comic book experience where it's about a little kid who says a magic word and becomes a superhero and. On some level, that's what it's like for when you're a kid reading a comic book. It's like you get to take on the powers of these characters that you're reading about, and you imagine what that's like. And this is like this is this is ah so metatextual. Uh, I love it. I love the idea of it. So the movie was pretty good, uh, but I think even before the movie, like maybe even like right when it was announced, they were talking about The Rock playing Black Adam, who's Shazam's big nemesis, who's basically evil Shazam. 
Um, and we didn't get a, a trailer for it in the fandom exactly, but we got some sort of animatics with the rock narrating over it. Um, and I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I guess it's good to see that it's it's coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's again a problem with announcing stuff too early because this mm-hmm. is being like like the Flash. They've been talking about this movie and this casting for five six years at this point, and they still don't even have a trailer for it. But it sounds like they've got a cool idea, or at least the the outline of a cool idea, and I'm excited to see how it, it plays out. Did anyone? Uh, else get a feel that it kind of felt and I know this might be like real left field but like it just to me felt like 300 I don't know why but I got yes. that feeling from the teaser and I was just like is this gonna because he's like three you know 5,000 years later he's free and it's like I don't know it just felt like a 300 style kind of feel to it which I was like huh you know I suspect that might have to do with the the animatic nature yeah, of maybe it. That's like the 300 it. movie was basically an illustrated storyboard for the 300 graphic novel mm-hmm. um, and I get that feeling a lot when and it's also a feeling I got watching this trailer is it, it reminded me really heavily of sort of a discount cinematic scene from a video game Mm. Like a lot of like games, like fighting games, will have like like you know, you'll pick your character, you'll you'll pick your character and fight the eight guys and win the arcade mode, and then there's like twenty five seconds of dialogue about this is how I felt mm-hmm. about winning the Mortal Kombat tournament, and this I felt like was that exact level of production value. You know, it was a static image, but with like animated flames on the front, <laughs> and the camera like was slowly rotating, so it would look like someone was moving, but it was yeah. really just a picture of the face with a narration over it. So I, I, I feel like what you're describing is that yeah, maybe like, that's what it not, was. not quite cinematic way to present something. Yeah, I, I honestly I didn't get a three hundred vibe, but what I was worried about was people comparing it to uh, the Mummy movies because mm. he was the Scorpion King, right? Right. Yeah, and it's with Kendar, Kendak, whatever it is, it's got a pretty Egyptian flair to it. I think he was like ancient or something. Like it was something supposed to be like ancient Egyptian or whatever. In one of the lores, anyway, for sure, he had like his powers yeah. were not of the Shazam they were actually right Egyptian right gods. yeah his Shazam is Egyptian gods in yeah. the acronym right well, they, also, yeah. they also brought in Hawkman which has 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 some a little bit of a of that vibe as well and some yeah and Dr. Fate too I'm so excited about the Dr. Fate though they were gonna do Hawk Girl, but I think they changed like she couldn't do it or something like that so they just changed the character mm. Well, they're very similar characters anyway, but, oh, you know, fair. I guess yeah, it's some gender balancing would have been uh, good, too. Because right now, the, the other... So so the big reveal, at least for, for my taste from the this announcement, was that the JSA are going to be in it as, yeah. I guess, antagonists to Black Adam, maybe eventually allies. But it's a four-person JSA. Justice, the JSA is the Justice Society of America. Mm-hmm. In the comics, I think they actually predate the G- JLA. Definitely in continuity, they do. But I think yeah. in in actual like real time stuff, they also predate the JLA. Uh, these days, they're they're treated like the the old guard. It's it's the golden age characters and maybe some young ones as well who are all working together, as opposed to the JLA, which is always like the newest and best and youngest yeah. and hottest uh, superheroes. So in this case, you got Hawkman, Doctor Fate, 
And then two younger characters, Cyclone, who I don't actually know anything about, and Atom Smasher, who has, at least in the comics, pretty much the powers of the Atom, but yeah. he's dumb. So he's not like a scientist. He just yeah. can make himself really big and punch people. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know a lot about the JSA. I, I do know that they're seen as the like OG Justice League in some ways of like older characters. At least in some of the, the like lore that I've read, um, they were seen. They seem to be like predate the uh, Justice League. But um, it'll be interesting to see because there has been versions on the TV. Like on TV, there's been a version. Um, on Legends of Tomorrow, they did a version of it. So I'll again, that's a completely different feel to this, obviously. But I will be curious to see where they take it. Yeah, there's already been the uh, Hawkman was on Legends of Tomorrow, and um, I, I, there may have been a version of Doctor Fate. But some of these characters are brand new. Um, yes. I could go into some more background on Black Adam, but I think that would be more interesting for me than for anyone else. So, so <laughs> I'll just uh, put a pin in that for now. <laughs> I, I think I think Evil Shazam covers most of most what of the, the audience is going to need. You did get a Shazam two title, Shazam yeah. Fury of the Gods. Yeah, and I I can't tell if it's a joke or not, but is Sinbad gonna be in it? I have I heard, no I heard, idea. I heard that too. I, saw I know him. he was. He popped into the panel, and he yeah. seemed to be on the poster, poster. that like poster they did for it. I hope maybe. it's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's cool. I, I I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Mister, what's that worm character? Maybe he turns Mr. Mind. Into, maybe he goes into a cocoon and comes out of Sinbad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would make him more physically threatening than a caterpillar, which is what he normally is. <laughs> but I, will, I will say there are weirder characters in the Suicide Squad, so it's not off the table. That's true. Man, you are the queen of segues. Should yeah. we go to the Suicide Squad announcement? <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, it's. I mean, I guess they're kind of two announcements, right? We got like we got some learned stuff about a new movie and some stuff about a new game. Um, I, I'm assuming the movie is a bigger deal. I don't yeah. know if the game looks really good, oh too, my God, so, like, they're pretty, I think they're pretty par. I think we know more about the movie, though, at this point. Well, so yeah. let's start with the movie. We'll get to the games, because there's two games I do want to touch on at some point. But Yeah, one much more than the other. Yeah. But, yeah, The Suicide Squad <laughs> is coming, um, which I meant to ask, like, if, and I don't think anyone here had the answer, like, The Batman, The Suicide Squad. Like, I don't know if that's intentional, if this is the start of, like, a, a The The Universe. Was it The Joker <laughs> or just Joker? I think it's I the, think it was... the Joker, The Justice League. <laughs> I think everything's the... the. We'll see, I guess. But the, the Suicide Squad, we didn't really hear anything about the movie, um, including why they're making another one. <laughs> um, but we did get a roll call, which is an interesting choice. Yeah, and there was also uh, a sort of behind-the-scenes montage that gave you a bit of a better idea of what the movie is actually going to be like. Um, should I go through the roll call? Yeah. Please. We'll be here an okay. hour later. But go ahead. <laughs> just I, I'm just gonna run through them. Stop me if there's someone you want to hear more about, and I'll I'll I probably won't be able to help you, but we can at least uh, guess together. Uh, so a lot of these people were announced ages ago. Just they're they're the actors, and now we have a, a sense of who some of them are. Anyway, there's still a few people who uh, we don't know who they're playing. Like Taika Waititi, the that writer, director, actor is going to be in the movie, but we still don't know who he is, as far as I know. Anyway, so 
You you want him to be Korg from uh, Ragnarok? No, I want him to. I want him to voice the weasel. Oh, that'd be interesting. Mm. That'd be really fun. Okay, anyway, we, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. So uh, Margot Robbie's back as Harley Quinn. We got Viola Davis back as Amanda Waller. Joel Kinnaman back as Rick Flag. Guy Courtney back as Captain Boomerang. Now into the new guys: Idris Elba as Bloodsport. Steve Ag as King Shark. Nathan Fillion as TDK. John Cena as Peacemaker. Peter Capaldi as The Thinker. Daniela Melchior as Ratcatcher 2. Not to be confused with Ratcatcher 1. <laughs> different movie. Alice Braga as Soul Soria. Pete Davidson as Blackguard. David Desmalchian as Polka Dot Man, who is a real comic book character. Sean Gunn as Weasel. Juan Diego Botto as General Luna. Joaquin Cosio as Major General Suarez. Mei-Ling Ng as Mongal. Michael Rooker as Savant. Flula Borg as Javelin. Uh, and Storm Reed as Idris Elba's daughter. Ugh, okay, thank God. <laughs> I don't know if you heard me scrolling on my phone through some of that, because maybe this is a great way to highlight this. So does anybody know who any of these characters are, and is anyone excited to hear about them? Well, I did a little bit of looking. I know who the thinker is, because I was intru- introduced Agreed. to the thinker through with uh, Flash. Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, I'm going to guess Mongal is Mongol's daughter or something or yeah. female version just uh she I mean looked... I guess like I guess I was asking more rhetorically <laughs> oh, fair, <laughs> enough. fair enough fair enough like, I, I want to see Nathan Fillion's uh thing apparently he, his powers to thro- have his arm fall off or something <laughs> oh my God. like just something ridiculous <laughs> it man you're really him, telling uh, it I was just saying you're really fits, selling it yeah well no but it oh. fits Nathan Fillion perfectly that's the, the yeah. character I, I feel most of these characters are, are just to die and live up to yeah. the name of Suicide Squad. I don't really feel they matter. <laughs> no. It's a weird choice to make them the, like, like this is how we're announcing our movie, right? Like, most people would do it with an exciting trailer or I an exciting just, cast. I think they just want to play up how ridiculous it is. Like, and, and I do think it's the, the actors that are the selling point. Yeah. Yeah, I would have right. to agree. I think, I think I would just see it just because I know James Gunn has fun with his movies. We obviously know he did a good job. He's doing a great job with the Guardians series. So, I mean, I would just, under that base, I would I'd watch it just because I know it'd be, at the very minimum, a fun movie. Yeah, and this is going to be very violent and over the top. So if you want to get a sense of that, James Gunn actually made a couple of superhero movies before getting into the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh He's the probably the best known one of the two of them was uh, just called Super, and that starred Rain uh, and Ellen Page, Rain Wilson yeah, yeah. and Ellen Page, yeah. And it's it's like kind of like kick ass, except more disturbing because it's an adult man who's going through some brain yeah. stuff. Yep. <laughs> oh, crazy! And then even before that was a movie called uh, The Specials, which he wrote but didn't direct. And that that has a pretty impressive cast, including uh, Rob Lowe. And it's sort of a a real early superhero parody film from the year 2000. 
Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I feel I, like those are going to be where uh, you, if you want to get a sense for what the Suicide Squad is going to be like, those are movies you should check out rather than, say, the Guardians movies. Oh, I was just saying, like, I had fun with those movies, right? Like, so, you know, you sure. Fun. That's all. That's all I was pointing. I actually got a good, a, kind of a, a comical A-team feel from from uh, the what I saw of the Suicide Squad 2 trailer thing. Or hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just I don't. Do have you guys watched A Team? Oh yeah, just a little. So I don't know. I just I kind of had that. I just got that. It just brought me back to that for some reason, and I don't know. My my opinion of the Suicide Squad is that they've got a low bar to meet. So uh, I'm sure it will be. It will be. I trust James Gunn to at least pass the first one in in, in entertainment. So. Um, now, if that's too harsh or not, I'm not sure. But um, I am glad that Harley is back because I do think um, that she anchored the first one. Oh, definitely. She Absolutely. stole every scene she was in. Yeah. yeah so so- here, here's a theory for you. Uh, the, the first movie was all like intended to be dark and gritty. And like, that's why you bring David Ayers in. That's his, his stock and trade is doing like oh, realism and everything's horrible and, and no one can be trusted. But then they did that first trailer and it had a lighter tone and people loved that trailer. And when they saw the movie, the early cuts of the movie, they were like, well, this isn't what I was advertised at all. So my understanding is they brought the company that cut that trailer together to recut the movie. Yeah. And that's why it's such a mess, <laughs> like yeah. a tonal mess. And so I think this, they might have brought Gunn in because his tone better suits what that first trailer was. So maybe this will be more in line with what people expected from the Suicide Squad initially. Look, I'll give Warner Brothers credit. That first trailer, that trailer really sold the movie to a lot of people um, in, in a way that I think a lot of us obviously were disappointed when we went and actually saw the film. But I do also think that that is partly because the world at the time with superhero, with the, the you know, Superman dying and all that was so dark and so gritty from Zack's world that like, that's what David went with and that's what they went with. But when it came back and people like didn't react as well, I think Warner Brothers panicked at what they did with Justice League and they recut it to try and make it a bit more of that, you know, um, exciting. You can like, say it. They tried to make it more Marvel. Yeah. No, essentially. Yeah. Um, and uh, which is why we have such a split fandom um, with the DC world. At least, again, we don't have to go into that craziness uh, too much, but... Um, I do think that uh, that James Gunn's going to be fine and, and do a good job. Agreed. Yeah, and uh, so in the behind-the-scenes stuff, we got a sense that this is going to be kind of a superhero war movie. It's mm-hmm. There's lots of... Um, seem to be references to Apocalypse Now and other classic 70s war films, but done with in the, the James Gunn style of tongue-in-cheek and everything being a little over the top. And I think that's also why there's such a huge cast, because there's going to be a lot of body bags by the end of this. <laughs> like, who makes it out, basically? <laughs> All right. Well, we, we still got a lot of covers, so we got to keep it rolling. Um, do we want to segue from the Suicide Squad to Suicide Squad game? Or while yeah. we're still talking about... All right, let's do let's it. Do We've that. got the announcement uh, for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. A co-op video game. Didn't get to see any uh, gameplay. It was all just a cinematic trailer. Um, it was basically like watching a little short cartoon. But you're going to play as members of the Suicide Squad. And I guess 
you're going to kill Superman, which, <laughs> interesting. Okay. It feels to me like this is almost, um, and again, I could be wrong because I haven't played or seen much about the Avengers game, but it's almost that sort of kind of uh, DC version of a, of a play every character kind of thing in a team-up world. Um, I I have played the Arkham games, which this is the same creators, right, as the Arkham games? That one is, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, apparently this one takes place in the Arkham universe. Oh, it does. Okay, I missed that part. But um, Apparently it's a continuation. Ooh. I'm into it, is what I'm going to add. I wish I would have seen gameplay, because um, I think that does dictate whether I'm going to actually like it or not. But yeah. um, anybody can make a cutscene. Yeah, exactly. So I am into the idea of it so far. Um, I will obviously be playing as Harley for most of it. Although I do like Deadshot as a sniper. Um, so I like as a sniper option. So I will also be playing as that. But um, <laughs> I I am curious to see how they do it. Again, I think it's sort of the curse of of characters in Suicide Squad, where it's like. I mean, I get the comedic appeal of Captain Boomerang, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I've ever felt like I want to empower myself by pretending <laughs> that I'm Captain Boomerang. Just drink you know? a lot of beer and throw a boomerang. <laughs> right, yeah, I don't need a video game for that. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely more of a King Shark type, right? Yeah. I think yeah, they're yeah. giving him some some sort of like um, power or something like that in the game as well, like a teleportation or something with his boomerang itself. I, mean, I would hope so. Yeah. Like, otherwise, it's not going to be a very interesting game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. It looked really funny. I liked that the t- towards the end of that trailer, um, you see Captain Boomerang's. I think it was his boomerang that hit Superman in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way for setting tone. Evil Superman is doing his like evil megalom- megalomania glare. And like where most places, like there would be like a dramatic reverb and a cut. <laughs> Instead, the boomerang just smacks him in the back of the head. Uh, great! I actually laughed out loud for that. That was funny. It's, I, I do like that humor, um, but it's tricky with video games. Like, I mean, who knows what the game is like? We don't know much about it. Maybe this goes back to what you were talking about, Graham, with like announcing things too early. Mm. Yeah. Do we have a release date for that? Is it sometime in 2021, or are we going even further? Well, I would imagine, in my mind, I th- I assumed it was going to be after the movie, the new movie, only because, in my mind, I was like, why are they keeping Captain Boomerang in the movie? Because um, the first one, it wasn't like he really jumped out at me, but I guess he if they would keep... for me. Yeah, but I'm wondering if, like, they would keep him in because of the game, too, right? To help with that, sort of, but maybe I'm wrong. Now the all we have for the game is release date expected twenty twenty two, so we're a ways off. Yeah, I, I just in Captain Boomerang's defense, I I have suffered through that first movie twice now, um, and <laughs> on the second viewing, Captain Boomerang really stood out to me as as a, a great character, and I, I think it goes down to the performance, like the. They had no idea what to do with him. They never really used his boomerang powers in any interesting nope. way. But he was always magnetic when he was on screen. He was interesting and funny. And and that, I think, is why they brought him back for this movie. Right. Unless they're just going to kill him off real quick. That would be shocking. But anyway, I'm... I'm I'm curious about this game. Uh, it does seem to set a be part of a trend of superhero games right now where there are it's like a team of characters and you choose who you're going to play as because that's what we got in the Avengers and that's what we've got in this. And if we're ready for a segue, 
that's what we've also got in the other game we're going to talk about. The much cooler game. I think we can jump right to that. Uh, we did see some gameplay and got a lot of details for Gotham Knights. So wow. into it. So which, into it. That looks so yeah. good. Which that was pitched as it's kind of like the Batman Arkham games we all love. Um, it doesn't take place in the same universe. It's not by the same guys. But instead of playing as Batman, you play as sort of the Bat family, and up to four people can play at the same time. Which, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, yeah not no couch co-op, though, right? No, only online, unfortunately. Is it open world? And like, uh, like Yeah, it's RPG? open world. Per, that's really cool. Yeah. So you're going to sign in together. You can play as Nightwing, who is a former Robin turned his own character. Um, Batgirl, who is yes. really I mean, is Batgirl. You get that. Uh, actual Robin, Robin, and Red Hood, who I guess is also a former Robin. Robin. Um, <laughs> Jason Todd. Yeah, so it's so, Batgirl and three Robins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so Batgirl technically, the, I think at one point, was a Robin. In one of the versions of comics. That's complicated. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, basically, you're going to play as Batman's kids. Um, they each have different move sets and different abilities and cool things that they do. You can play it solo if you want. You can play it co-op and they bounce your powers off of each other and go out there and fight dark and gritty Gotham. And the stuff that they showed looked really cool. Yeah. I was reading, though, too, that, the, that you can explore. So there's five different neighborhoods. Um, using and like so in each one of the neighborhoods I think is kind of based on each one of the characters kind of um, you use them specifically for though again not 100% sure but I did hear and read a little bit about how there's like um, certain storylines for each one will will um, will go into certain areas of the neighborhoods which I thought was interesting it makes sense. It makes it a good way to sort of, like, if you're playing on your own, it's good motivation <laughs> to try each of the different characters out, right? Yeah. Um, and I also want to ask the, like, this this might have been, you know, red-faced Jesse, but the, the trailer ended, like, with a post-scriptum of introducing these creepy new villains. And I texted you guys, and I was like, wow, so what do you think of these weird, does anyone know anything about it? And you guys were all like, oh, you mean besides the Court of Owls? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, what? <laughs> so am I the only one in the world who's never heard of this owls thing? Well, I don't I'm actually surprised you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> You're not hoping. You're not hoping. <laughs> <laughs> on, okay, on the assumption that the, for the folks listening, I'm not the only one. Can somebody explain to me the court of owls? Do you want to get that, Kylie, or...? Um, I can, I can do a quick one. Uh, I don't know super detail, like super detailed, um, info about them, but I do know that it was a Scott, uh, Snyder and Greg, Capa uh, I can never say his last name, Capello? Capullo. 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 Um, they created, they created them as a feature, like, so it, it's in the Batman story and they're one of the, um, antagonists of the new 52 version of Batman. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's a secret, like it's a secret, uh, operation, um, that they have their own assassins. So it's not League of Assassins, it's separate from that. They were talents. The talent, yeah. And I do know that the Birds of Prey, so that's where I know them the best, is from reading the Birds of Prey and um, how they were like one of the first ones to sort of fight the talent, um, who are basically just like cruel assassins who like just 
have zero remorse. I mean, I'm not that assassins don't or have remorse, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but um, it's kind of like they're just this court of like, they're um, like an underground, Illuminati yeah, like underground Gotham mm. court. Um, and I'm not 100 if they're all rich, but I know that they're like, yes. their so, like history is in Gotham. So they're the founding members of Gotham. Yeah. They were yeah. all the founding members of the richest, wealthiest of like beginning of Gotham. So they they had their own little society. They're um, they like any kind of like major event or something like that. They probably had their hand in. Their eyes are everywhere. Mm-hmm. So like like uh, Kylie said, the, their assassins are the talons. It's a it's a it's kind of like a a foot soldier essentially mm-hmm. but they're everywhere no i'll just say the way that they kind of come into the batman story is that they take notice of bruce wayne and they want to get bruce wayne but they they end up um like sentencing him to death and sending the talons after him essentially yeah they don't want to be found by anybody really so they sent they sent it after bruce wayne they failed and then batman's batman um decided to i guess do an investigation on who just tried to kill him and uh it just got deeper and deeper, and then the spider web, uh, the spider web just got bigger and bigger, and he, so then, yeah, and he, they were responsible just, for the death of his parents in the story. Like it, it yeah. like they had their hand in that, so it gets really, really deep tried, into it all. They tried to get right, well, Damien after him. It was crazy. I'm, I'm really enjoying the whole secrecy nature of it because mm-hmm. it sort of, on a meta level, explains why I've never heard of any of this. <laughs> Uh, but what I'm hearing is that these are classic Batman villains with a big pedigree, and somehow I just completely skirted them. Well, classic, were... classic is a bit of a stretch. They, yeah. they were introduced in 2011. Yeah, they're yeah. the new 52 stuff, so oh, they're a little early. Okay. But um, they're definitely like, at least when I remember reading the new 52 stuff, I loved the story of them for sure. The three main stories were the Court of Owls, the City of Owls, and the Night of Owls. And it was like a three main, I don't mm-hmm. know if it, I think it was a story. And they were actually some of the best stories that um, that came out, apparently. And it's because they're very, very intricate and, and interwoven into the Gotham underground. It's crazy. Uh, if I <clears throat> may get a little uh, critical for a moment, I so Scott Snyder is the other. The, he's the comic book Snyder, whereas Zack Snyder's the like movie <laughs> Snyder. So yeah. he he is like the shining star at DC these days, yeah. and it's because of this story. Him and and Greg Capullo put together this amazing story arc, and for my taste, nothing that Snyder has done since in the the DC universe has ever lived up to it. Like all the rest of the DC, the Batman stuff he did after that kind of was a step or two down. And I don't know that he's ever reached that level again. Um, but it's a hell of a start and, it, and it's left quite a legacy. Like mm-hmm. the, the court of owls, people really like that. You could get a box set of the, the stories and it included a court of owls mask to wear. it's, it's kind of an iconic look. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And it does it does bleed into the Batgirl too with her and um meeting a Talon who like she kind of takes in and tries to help. Um like a young girl named Mary who like is a Talon and like it's just it's an interesting story in um in the Birds of Prey uh stuff that I really loved too. Uh he they also had um Apparently, they had him written in as uh, Dick Grayson's great grandfather was part of a founding me- member. Yeah, because so the, the Talons. 
the yeah, talent they are also tied like they they tend to be children who like circus yeah. kids were kidnapped yeah maybe so, that's like one step of connection too many but you know it's <laughs> a cool idea <laughs> well i mean they can bring it into the game and stuff like that too i was just thinking right. like, you know cause... yeah no, that's that, that's a good point we should circle back like yeah so the reason we bring all this up because apparently they're sort of the they're they're going to play a major antagonistic role in the game yeah, um, and in the ga- in the gameplay, we see elements of traditional Batman villains. We see a lot of Mister Freeze. We see hints mm-hmm. of a few others, but the the court we see that that owl mask and a bunch of I guess talons like hanging in coffins and stuff. And I guess because occasionally there's like an undead element to it. But you also see um, an owl right on Gordon's badge, mm. showing uh-huh. showing that they they might they're con- they're probably controlling the police force, which in a good eye in a but um yeah they it's like so they're deep deep into the corruption they they own gotham essentially mm-hmm. it's pretty cool yeah. so it'd be really cool to see this new bat family to take them on i can't wait to play as batgirl i'm so stoked yeah you, maybe when it comes out uh, closer too we can uh, we can go into a deeper dive on the different characters because they, I do love all these different versions of Robin that are, are in that. And uh, I, I think you could do like a whole top five Robins and talk about them all. Yeah. All right. So then let's move on for now. Certainly looks cool, though. That, that was one of my big takeaways from this. Um, we have one more big thing to hit. But before we get there, did anyone have anything they wanted to say about Static Shock? Static Shock. All right. I, I will. Ooh. Uh, it's an imprint. So, so it's actually Milestone is the name of this imprint that was started. Um, it's it started actually. It's not actually a DC imprint, but DC publishes it. There, it's a group of comics um, founded or group of comic book characters, and, and that imprint was founded by Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cohen, Michael Davis, and Derek T. Dingle. McDuffie and Cohen are are two of the biggest names for African-American creators in comic books. And, and they, I think were disappointed in the lack of diversity in mainstream superhero comics in the early nineties and before. And, you know, honestly up till today, it's, it's a pretty whitewashed uh, field. And so they decided to create their own imprint that was mostly minority characters. And there was, Hardware and Icon and Blood Syndicate and Zombie spelled with an X. And uh, their biggest hit was Static Shock, who tapped into the same sort of vein as Spider-Man, being a a teenager with superpowers who also had to do his high school struggles. Uh, So that imprint lasted from 1993 to 1997. In the year 2000, Static Shock got his own... Uh, four season cartoon series and i think by that point we were all a little too old for it but i think for some people of that era it's their spider-man the animated series or batman animated series it it was very popular and that character stands out more than any of the others so the big announcement from this was that the surviving founders are coming back and relaunching some of the characters dc is going to put out these digital comics for Static Shock and a few others, and there's talk of a Static Shock movie. There. Did I do it quick enough? Does that cover all the ground? I think that covers it. (laughs) One breath. Probably more to learn about that, but I guess as it gets a little bit closer, maybe we can zoom in a bit more. Um, Which leaves us with the the one big item on here that I think uh, is probably going to push the the running time of this podcast, because there's a lot to say about it. 
as much as I liked Gotham Knights, I think most people's big takeaway from fandom was probably the probably the Snyder cut for the Justice League. I, as a DC outsider, I'm going to try to explain this as quick and you know piecemeal as I can, then you guys can fill in the important gaps I miss. So Zack Snyder is Mr. DCU. He made all those dark and gritty and like slow-mo DC hero movies. Love him or hate him. He was gonna make the Justice League, which was supposed to be their Avengers. And then there was he had to drop off of the movie. There was a personal tragedy. Um, and instead, they hired Joss Whedon to finish the Justice League, who tried to take this dark and gritty movie and make it a delightful Joss Whedon movie. And the result is terrible. And the Justice League did not get reviewed well among critics or among fans or people with eyeballs. Uh <laughs> And since then, people who were so were so looking forward to this movie had so much passion, let's go with, have been protesting, essentially, to get the Snyder Cut released. And they've announced that they're finally going to do that. They're giving Zack Snyder, I think it's something like $20 million, to re-edit and redo effects to release a four-hour cut of the Justice League movie. I'm initially coming out in four one-hour episodes to HBO Max. It's going to retell the movie the way he wanted to show it and supposedly the way that all the fans wanted to see it. Does That that covers the background, I think, pretty completely. Mm-hmm. Pr- pretty good. So then the next question is why? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Cash, I think you were the one who was most excited about this news. Um, so why don't you lead off? Let's let's start with the positive side. <clears throat> All right. Well, I, as you said, the the theatrical version was kind of ever, like two people's visions that were not the same and just clashed, and that's what we got. So I think having this um, come out is is just nice to see. Like it's a completion. Like it shows the story as it should have been told. Not like, like he didn't film anything extra. So that means a two a two hundred and fourteen minute movie got shut down to a hundred and thirty minutes. Like that's a lot of story that wasn't told. And then so now we're wondering about all these characters. And it just really, I would just like to see that be completed at least like good or bad at least it's you know a complete story not all these little snippets and then oh yeah we're fighting a bad guy that's horribly looking oh yeah steppenwolf that was was, yeah is that an important character in the comics no no not really on a magic carpet ride he's (laughs) yeah that's that's where i know it from (laughs) He's the Ultron of of, uh, of this scenario, I think. He's like he's not that important, but I mean the stepping stone to Darkseid. I, I a po- point of order, Ultron is an important character <laughs> in the comics, bro. I, I, I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking. I meant. I meant the movies. I apologize. Okay. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> But like you know how Marvel stepped like had Ultron as a stepping stone to obviously the big bad, so like they needed. I mean, I mean Steppenwolf, or, or you can have Granny. <laughs> I, I, Granny Goodness is a better known character than Steppenwolf. I mean, Granny she is pretty. She, she is pretty ruthless, actually. But yeah. I'm, 
But I mean, Steppenwolf looks scary and and can be a little more cinematic than Granny's not a very cinematic character. She's more of a behind the scenes. I can grant that. That's what the female Furies would have been for. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> I will say I could talk about this subject for a lot longer than we have, so I'll try to keep it real short. Uh, my thing as a fan of DC, I understand why you would want to, like you said, see the ending, see how it was supposed to be. But my counter argument to that is this is not what it was going to be no matter what. So if the personal tragedy, which again, horrible, hadn't happened and Zack Schneider could have released the regular film, it still wouldn't be this four hour cut. So we're not really getting what he was allowed, would have been allowed to do anyways. And so it kind of, to me, voids the argument of this is his cut in terms of him, what he would have released theatrically. Um, maybe on the DVD they would have done a, a, a director's cut, but my argument is, is that like it's still not going to be what it would have been had he released it on the timeline that he was given originally. And so in my mind, this is completely separate now in that tone to anything like to compare to the egg of their justice league in the sense that like you can't really put them on the same level and and i know that the first thing the fans that wanted this are going to do is trash the old one because they got that what they wanted but i get my argument back is like it's not what you would have gotten anyways so uh enjoy that you you know got this um i do think it was graham was it you that said this is a you know a way to get subscribers to the to the hbo max I think that I, is part of it and why they're throwing so much money. Yeah, I can't take credit for that. But but yeah, that is definitely got to be a motivating factor f- for doing this. There, there was such a vocal campaign there. And, and there were so many people who are rabid about this idea about the Snyder Cut that if you say, hey – here's our floundering streaming service. If you sign up for a mm-hmm. year long subscription, you get a four hour cut of this movie that you're desperate to see. I'm just, I'm, I, I honestly, I hope it's good. I hope that it is what everybody wants it to be. Um, I personally am not going to be rushing out to see it just because I don't like the way the original looks of what, were definitely part of his cut looked anyways just the color scheme all of that not my thing the like you know tons of cgi not my thing um but you know one day i'm sure i will watch it at some point and i do hope that it does satisfy the question marks but i've also read the comics so i know the question marks (laughs) Um, so i'm kind of good i'd rather just reread the comics but what I'm getting from you is like you you would love to be excited to see yeah, it, but I, it's just it's just meh. Like it's two years ago, I'm over it. I I watched yeah. the Justice League version I saw and it sucked. And what honestly, <laughs> my favorite parts were the funny parts that I'm sure were added by Joss Sweden. So like, I, I'm fine. I'm good. I moved on. I'm ready for Wonder Woman. I'm ready for the next movie. I don't care to revisit something that probably isn't really going to be that much better than what I would have seen anyways, right? I don't know. I just, I think that when you encourage sometimes these, you know, I do believe in free speech and people should ask for what they deserve and whatever for, you know, but I just think that as somebody in the industry, where does it stop once you start allowing the audience to dictate what the movie is in some ways? It's the same with TV shows and stuff. There's, I think there's got to be a line of like, this is our art. We made it. And you either like it or you don't, but we made it and this is what it is, right? Like, 
So that's kind of my thing. I could be wrong. I could be, you know, I hope it, I hope it's great. I hope it's fantastic. No, I, I wasn't trying to take away from like, cause I mean, obviously Josh Whedon put a lot of time with a lot of reshoots and there's a lot of hard work involved and I didn't want to take anything away from that, but like the story did get chopped up and that's, oh, and that, sure. oh, yeah. and, it, we can all say it was terrible. Yeah. Right? Like, and I mean, for like somebody who, and I mean, most fans haven't read the comics, unfortunately. So they're just going to have this empty blank mm-hmm. of, of a story that's just, you know, okay, here, here's a little bit of the flash. Here's a little bit of this. And it, it, or not even like we, I came out of it with like, who the heck is Steppenwolf? Yeah. What is up with these stupid boxes? Yeah. Like what, like what was the point of any of this? Like, where did these characters come from? So I, that's what I'm just hoping to get out of it. Like, I'm not gonna oh, for have sure. a new subscription out of it, but I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> gonna, I'm definitely gonna watch the thing month. to see, to see how, how it was supposed to kind of look. And then, and then go from there. It's it, it's more of a side thing than a necessity. But it's nice that it's made. Yeah, I guess so. My my <laughs> take on it is if it was two hours or maybe two and a half hours, I would consider diving back into it. Hell, I watched the extended cut of Suicide Squad just just to see what it was like. And, and Suicide Squad was possibly as bad as Justice League or at least in that ballpark. But to tell me that you're you're expanding it to four hours, like I, I didn't ah ah, you know, I, I didn't really like Man of Steel that much. I didn't like Batman versus Superman. Telling me you're gonna give me four more hours of that is is not a selling point. I, I think it's a selling point for a specific set of fans, but for everyone who was already disappointed with the two hour version. I can't imagine sitting through four hours of it. And and the thing that frustrates me is like I, I saw that in an interview Zack Snyder said like when he first heard that DC or Warner Brothers wanted it to be a two hour cut, he thought they were joking. And it's like people have bladders, dude. No one was going to sit for four hours in a movie theater to see a superhero movie. We want levity. We want brevity. Like, like you should be able to tell a compelling story in the amount of time that people are reasonably expecting to sit for a movie. Sorry. That rant over. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Mike dropped Graham Lee's. <laughs> I mean, look, people didn't want to sit for Endgame, right? Like... You know, that was long enough as it is. Imagine and, another hour. And that was the culmination of like 10 years and 20 movies. This is the culmination of what, three movies? It's oh, yeah. not you too early. Earned yeah. it. And that's the thing. Even still, it wouldn't have been the cut that was theatrically released because it was four hours, right? Like, yeah. that's what I'm saying is, is that like, no matter what, this is not his cut. It's not. I mean, it is his cut, but it's not the cut that you would have gotten had he not had. Had he just released it the same release date as what Joss Whedon's was. Not saying Joss Whedon's was better. We all know it wasn't. Um, but I'm just saying that, like, I, no matter what, this isn't the version they would have gotten. Maybe this will actually end up being a better version that they get, which is great and and awesome for them. That in the end they're going to get something better. But I just I I don't need four hours of slow mo and CGI and you know. Yeah, exactly. I'm a lot less passionate about it than you guys, but it's I think I agree in the short form where it's like from what I saw, like I don't think I mean certainly having two different people cut together two different movies was a problem, but I don't think it's the only problem mm-hmm. and I don't think having one person take it 
and extend it to four hours isn't is going to fix it i think the things that i don't like about that movie are built into it um and if they were going to do anything with the justice league again i would prefer a reboot i would like a fresh start um maybe that comes down to whether or not you like Zack snyder's style um you know like we were like we were talking earlier like i liked 300 although it's probably a special case I liked Watchmen, although that universe really lends itself to what he does, but I just don't like his take on the DC universe, and I don't think it's like, try it enough times and you'll get it right. Right? That's the same thing they did in the X-Men movies with the Phoenix. And it's like, no, like, like, (laughs) the problem isn't the editing. Like, I will, I will say, look, I, 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 to give Zack Snyder credit, um, the actors seem to love him. Like, I will give him that. Yeah. Like, it seems like the people who, like, you know, they all talk about him in such a highlight um, when they talk about making the films and everything. They loved working with him. So he obviously is a good director. I just personally, like you said, I don't love his style. I I, I mean, I think that says he's a nice guy. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. say anything about his <laughs> skill as a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Yeah. That's fine. I, know a lot, I mean, pretty much everybody on this podcast is a nice person, but I don't <laughs> know if, you know, I don't know if anyone's looking for the Jesse Kirschenbaum Justice League cut. Oh, God, am I ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm blushing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do the voiceover. Just do the voiceover. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think it'll be interesting to see uh, the comments that come out of after viewing it because we don't even know. Right. Like. Me, I mean, I assume the fans get what they want and they will be very vocal that they got what they want and it was fantastic. Um, but I'll be curious to see what the general public um, who weren't asking for it, like, you know, thinks of it. Imagine it bombed. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll never know. That's the thing. Without doing a theatrical release where there are, are independent people who can say what the 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 stats were like for how many people went to see it and what their thoughts yeah. were they yeah. hbo max can be like oh yeah our subscription numbers <laughs> went up 200 percent and it's it's yeah. huge for us and and we're just gonna be like I, well, I i don't have any choice i have to take your word for it do you think they should have just released it like a director's cut not make such a big hype about it agreed uh, do you think though that since it's his cut he will not touch any of the Joss Whedon footage and so we'll not get the CGI mustache <laughs> yeah no he's, I, he's I have heard that that's out. I have heard that's factually the case that oh. the idea is not to use any of Whedon's footage I just want one one shot where they leave the mustache in just one shot <laughs> I feel like we we also should address the fact that Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg, yeah. really has uh, did not enjoy his time working with Joss Whedon to the point where he there are accusations of of abuse and and other things. So like I I don't think we should avoid that topic as much as we you know as we we aren't thrilled about the the some aspects of the Snyder Cut. There there is behind the scenes problems with the the cut as it currently stands yeah and if Um, that is true and and i'm sure i think they're doing an investigation like you said or or like i've seen um obviously that's horrible and like you wouldn't want that to happen i'm sure it would not paint for a great environment um especially a reshoot environment oh yeah and um and i and i imagine yeah i just can't imagine how how fun that would have been um but i'm sure there's also two pressure on him from a studio 
Um, not saying that excuses his behavior because it definitely does not. Um, but it would be interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see sort of the where it all comes. But I do hope that there is like a legit investigation into it. Yeah, it's I mean, I don't know that we'll ever get the full truth about it. Whedon, as far as I know, has been pretty quiet on the subject. Mm -hmm. Um, But Fisher has been very vocal about it. And and I I hope, you know, justice is served in whatever fashion it is is deemed necessary for for this. And and maybe getting to do this Snyder cut, getting to do the movie that he originally signed up for is a part of the justice that is necessary in this case but we'll we'll see as time goes on it does hurt my heart because i do like joss whedon and i really hope that it like i it just hurts my heart to know that he actually is like that you know what i mean it's like when you when anybody when these things come out and you find the true nature of people like it, it sucks right yeah um so it could have been we'll have it could have been situational too like we can't just harp on them for like I mean, it was not one incident, but like it's also like he was yeah, thrown. Yeah, we into, don't know. We don't have nearly enough information. Yeah, exactly. like he was thrown okay. into a crappy situation. Here, here, fix this movie, and yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And um, he has to now get everybody to come back for reshoots, and nobody wants to work with him. Like that's that's got to be hard too. So, like, I mean, did he deal with it in the right way? No, but we don't know anything really. What happened? We just hearsay. Yeah. So we'll leave that to be. But um, yeah, in terms of the Snyder cut itself, a tough call, tough call. <laughs> but a lot, but a what's been described to me as a very vocal minority is super excited about it. Um, I don't think it's the way I'd want it to go. If even if it was something I was interested in, but hey, I mean, maybe it'll surprise us all and it'll make a new a new world of reshot reboots right get somebody yeah. to cut up and redo the rise of skywalker who knows maybe there's a real <laughs> movie nice. under there somewhere too no kiss <laughs> yeah there you go. That's funny. Uh, any case that's a whole other podcast we already did one about all the things we didn't like <laughs> on skywalker but that uh that was dc fandom and uh kylie john thanks for coming uh, i don't think we could have handled this much stuff without you so thank you so much for being on thank you for having us and uh, while we're giving out thanks, also it would be remiss uh, not to thank uh, Jamie Reum, our musician-in-chief, uh, put together the theme song for the show. Check him out, uh, Jamie Reum Official on YouTube, Jamie underscore Reum on Instagram, and check out his online uh, virtual pub night trivia nights at, at uh, triviashmivia.com. I think we've touched on just about everything, but is there something we missed that you wanted to hear more about or things that you know that we missed? Uh, we'd love to hear about it because one of the big things that DC Fandom has shown is that it's just awesome when we can get enthusiasts together about this sort of thing. So let us know what you're thinking. Uh, Graham, how can folks get a hold of us? We can be reached by email at geektop5 at gmail.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash geektop5. And we're also on Twitter at geektop5. Looking forward to everything you have to send. Always cool to hear and read your comments. Um, but uh, that will uh, we'll take a look at that. If anything comes through, maybe we'll air it on the next episode. You'll have to find out next week. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again soon.